0: All right, it's working. Good evening, everybody. Glad to see you here tonight. John is uh, out with his family tonight, so I'm filling in for John. I'm not going to do the sacrifices like he was. I'm going to talk about some specific sacrifices. But John has been very thorough so far, Pastor John, in telling us what the sacrifices are, what they have in common. If you remember, there's seven things that the sacrifices have. They are one, without blemish. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen or not. I think he's getting it there. All right, well, there we go. Without blemish, they're to bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle, or really, I believe, to the courtyard. Um, There's personal responsibility on the person giving the sacrifice. There's shared responsibility between the person giving the sacrifice and the priest. Blood had to be displayed. It was a sweet aroma to God, and there were various different offerings. What I would like to show tonight in, our, in the scriptures is how Christ, the burnt, sin, and guilt offerings are fulfilled in Christ. The burnt, the sin, and the guilt offerings are fulfilled in Christ. Our text is Leviticus chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. I would ask you to stand with me as I would pray and we would read from God's word. Let's pray, Father, you are indeed glorious. You are truly beyond all comprehension. And yet, you made it possible for yourself to be known. How great are you? How awesome are you? That you have made a way in which we can approach God without fear. You did it in the Old Testament through the sacrificial system, you do it for us through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we come to you tonight boldly. We come to your throne, your word, your grace, asking you to make known to us the mysteries of Christ. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us insight and understanding into your word, that we would really see our Lord and Savior all the more glorious, all the more wonderful, For indeed, how indescribable is the gift of God to us. Make yourself known, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text says this tonight. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is in the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now all three offerings, the burnt, sin, and guilt offering, have the exact same criteria for coming to God. It has to be without blemish. It's going to be completely consumed. Everything is the same. There are the offerer's part. Remember John said that there is a personal responsibility, there's a shared responsibility. This is the personal responsibility. The person who comes and brings the offering to God, seven things were required of them. That they make sure that they bring the sacrifice without blemish. They bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They lay their hands on it. They kill it before the Lord. They flay and they cut it into pieces. To flay means to skin it. They wash the legs and the entrails with water. So how is Christ our burnt guilt and sin offering? Well, the first criteria that the offerer had to do was to bring without blemish. It had to be absolutely perfect. Now, this is easy for us to understand when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 12 tells us, but when Christ had offered For all time, a single sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God. A single, perfect sacrifice. We all agree that Jesus is beyond perfection. Jesus is perfection personified. There is no one more perfect and without blemish. Remember that uh, in our study of 1 John about God, that he has not one scintilla of error within him. He is perfect. God is light. Jesus is the most perfect being there is. There is no more perfect being than Jesus. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5.21, tells them this. For our sake, He made Him to be sin. Who knew no sin? He was perfect. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus fulfills the burnt and sin and the guilt offering the fact that he is absolutely perfect. This may be man. We say, I know this stuff. You need to be reminded of this stuff. We are going to one day stand before the perfection of God for the rest of our lives. We'll stand and behold the perfection of God and the wonder of it, that he would come down as a man, make himself like us, yet without sin, and bring himself to the entrance of the tent of meeting, as it were, which is the second criteria. Bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting. God very specifically says here that the result of bringing the offering as God prescribed, that the offerer, would be accepted by God. That He says that you bring it to the, entrance to, the t- to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and if you do that, if you do it in the way that I tell you how to do it, the person bringing the sacrifice will be accepted by God. Not that the sacrifice will be accepted. That's accepted in and without blemish. But if you bring it according to the way that I tell you to, the person who brings it will be accepted before God. Look at what it says, verse 3. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd... He shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he, the offerer, may be accepted before the Lord. How awesome is that? But what is this? What does to me this says this is obedience? You come the way I tell you to come. You don't come in any way you want. And not too long from now, we're going to talk about Nadab and Abihu. Those poor boys went the way they wanted to. And God killed them in front of the altar. They, they were not to come the way they want to. How often do we come to God any way we want to? Roll out of bed, not prepared to come even to church, not, not ready, rushing around, coming in late, not prayed up, not ready to worship, not in the spirit of hearing from God. We just roll. and like, we're just, you know, like, what are we going? Are we going to hear a TED Talk or something? I'm not saying it's necessarily all of us, but if that's you, you should feel guilty and you should change that behavior. We cannot come to God the way we want to. God, who is perfect, has very prescribed methods for coming to Him, even today. This speaks to me of obedience. Obedience. God, many times in Scripture has told us that he cares more about the person's heart, the obedience from the heart, than he does about the sacrifice. Most well-known to us would be that of Samuel to Saul. Right? In 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, And Samuel said, remember, remember, let's set up the back. Saul had... Um, had said to uh, uh, Samuel, had told him, I'm going to come, I'm going to make a sacrifice, we're going to do everything, uh, uh, we're going to get it all ready. Ma- uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm messing it up. He, God said to Saul, you go and you kill the Amalekites, wipe them out completely. Don't, don't you leave anybody alive, nothing alive. Don't do anything. What does he do? He goes and he, he, he slaughters them, keeps the king alive, brings the best oxen and all that, and says, well, I'm going to sacrifice it to the Lord thinking he's doing a good thing. I'm going to come the way I want to. God said, no, this is what you're to do. Saul said, no, this is what I'm going to do. But because I'm doing it for God, it has to be okay. No, no, no. Well, I'm just trying to help out the Lord. Never try to help out the Lord. He needs no help. He needs no help. And remember, Samuel comes. And Saul runs over to him and says, I've done everything that the Lord has said to do. And Samuel says, then why do I hear cattle? Why do I hear sheep? Oh, I'm going to give them to the Lord. And Samuel's response to Saul is this. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen, then, the fat of rams. You know, God said the same thing, essentially, to Cain. Remember when he came and he gave their offerings, Cain and Abel. Abel's was accepted, Cain's wasn't. Cain didn't come with the right attitude. Didn't come in the way that he was supposed to. Abel did. Remember the conversation between Cain and God. In Genesis 4, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? Well, you know, God, I, I bought you, some, you know, some stuff out of the ground and you, know, and you just didn't like it. You liked my brothers, but you didn't like me. What do you got against me, God? What, what's wrong with me, God? Like, that's the conversation I, had, I could see in my... Because that's what I would say to God. What's wrong with me? What am I, stupid brother? Mr. Perfect over there. Why didn't you take mine, God? God says to Cain, if you do well, if you're obedient, will not you be accepted? And if you do not do well, if you're not obedient, behold, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You know, God speaking to Cain was an act of love, warning him, this is how you come to me. You don't come any way you want. Make sure you master this. You don't go after your own desires. How does Jesus fulfill obedience for us? Well, we know that Jesus was fully obedient. There is no more obedient person to ever live than Jesus Christ. Jesus tells the people in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. How many of us strive to be like Jesus and doing His will as opposed to our will? If we're honest, it's a struggle, isn't it? I want what I want. I like what I like. And I, I want to get what I want to get. Jesus was fully obedient. Next, the offerer was to lay hands on it. To lay hands on it, to make physical contact with it. God says that the result of obedience and of laying on of hands, that there would be atonement for the offerer. What it says in verse 4, he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him, to make atonement for him. Without this crucial part of laying on of hands, atonement was not going to be made for the offerer. What's the, what is the deal with laying your hands, putting your hand, lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering? It's to identify with it. It's to say, this animal is taking my place. It should be me here, not this poor cow, not this poor ram, not this poor goat. It should be me here. We know that um, in, in the Passover offering that Aaron was to lay his hands upon it and confess the sins of Israel. It doesn't say that here, but I would imagine that that's part of it too. Listen, I've done this, God. God, I have. God, I have. I know if it was me going out, I'd have to get like this laundry list and they'd be like, well, we're going to be here a while. Um, he had to lay his hands on it. He had to identify with it. Jesus identifies with us. And just by way of note, Jesus doesn't get us. That whole thing is disgusting and from the pit of hell. Don't buy into the Jesus gets us when you see that on TV. Jesus identifies with us. He identifies with us. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus identifies with us. He takes our place. He understands what it means to switch roles, as it were. In Romans 5, 18 and 19, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Jesus identifies with us, He knows our frame, He knows that we are dust. The laying on of hands, the, the transferring, of it were, of our sins went upon Jesus. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus identifies with us. Next, they were to kill it before the Lord. Not just any way. There was a ritual way in which to slaughter the animal. A way in which they were able to collect the blood. Verse 5 says this: Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Before the Lord. Aaron's sitting there, and his sons are sitting there, and everyone else is watching, but it's before the Lord. Remember what Pastor Paul told us this morning. Nimrod was a mighty man in the eyes of the Lord, before the Lord. Everything we do is before the Lord. God sees everything. But the offerer is coming to meet with God. It is before the Lord. Jesus was killed before the Lord on our behalf. John 19, 18. There they crucified Him and with Him two others, one on one side and Jesus between them. Jesus was killed before the Lord. Darkness overtook the face of the earth. We should know that Jesus did this of his own accord. Jesus makes it clear, John ten eighteen. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down in my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take up again. This charge I have received from my Father. What are we to do before the Lord? We are to put to death, kill before the Lord, our earthly nature. Colossians 3, 5 to 6, what a convicting passage. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. If the multiplication of sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, and idolatry if that actually speeds the coming of the Lord, then the train is no brakes are on our train in culture right now. We are speedily coming to the return of Christ. The wrath of God is coming. Put to death, therefore. The whole point of the sacrifice was to avoid the wrath of God. The whole point of it was to get out from under the wrath of God. Jesus brings us out from under the wrath of God. Jesus bears the wrath of God on our behalf. The offerer was then to flay, that is the skin, and cut it into pieces. Verses 6 to 8. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's, son shall, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces of the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire and on the altar. This represents full and complete surrender. Everything is going to God. Everything is going to go to God. But we've learned that the skin does not go to be burnt. The skin of the burnt, the sin and the guilt offering was given to the priests. Why is that? The only reason I can think of is the priests were not ever paid money. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that they were physically paid money. Don't read into that, please. Um, They were given food. Aaron and his sons were only given food. They were given land. They were given food. How are they to survive in an, in an economy where money does get exchanged? I believe this is how God made it possible for them to have money, to buy clothes, to make shoes for themselves, to have even clothing, was to give them the skins. a very very valuable commodity in that culture. There is one difference, though, between the sin offering and the burnt offering and the guilt offering. that for the sin and the guilt offering, I should say, that the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver and the fat were burned on the altar. Everything else was burned outside the camp. So it was still a total and full surrender. The whole animal was gone. You gave up the entire animal. But have you ever wondered why, for the sin and the guilt, God only required the long lobe of the liver and the kidneys? Why those particular? Why not? You know, you'd think it would be the heart, wouldn't you? The only reason I can come up with: is those are the only organs that purify our bodies. They're the only organs that filter, that take and remove the garbage. I don't know if that's true or not. I couldn't find any commentary to tell me anything. I have no clue, but I think it makes sense myself. And since I said it, I must be right, right? No, I'm kidding. But symbolically. That would make a lot of sense. You know, Jesus was crucified outside the camp, as it were. We are to fully surrender our lives to the will of God. Jesus fully surrendered everything. He laid down his life for us. He As the saying in sports goes, he left it all on the field. He didn't leave anything behind. Jesus fully surrendered to the Father. I've come not to do my will. Well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But we are to fully surrender to the will of God for our lives. Remember what Jesus told the disciples in the crowds. And Jesus stood up and with a loud voice said, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me you imagine the disciples hearing that? Knowing what taking up a cross meant? Wait, what are you, nuts? Nobody wants that. You know, we don't have everything about Jesus' life in Scripture. But how many countless times did Jesus and the disciples walk in to Jerusalem or a city passing crucified people? It was such a common thing. Pick up my cross. What are you, nuts, Jesus? No, fully surrender. Fully surrender. Jesus was fully surrendered to the Father's will. Again, John six thirty-eight: For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 17, 4, the high priestly prayer. Jesus says, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I've done everything, Lord. I have fully surrendered to you. Jesus fulfills the covenant, the the, the offerings for us in his full surrender. Is it not our obligation to do the same to the Lord? Is it not our reasonable service as Romans would tell us? Next, the offerer was to wash the legs and the entrails. What are entrails? Entrails are the guts, right? To put it very plain. They were wash the guts. They were to literally squeeze out the waste and clean it because you're not going to offer the waste to the Lord. Verse 9, But the entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. Well, what does this symbolize? Purity. Purity. We've already stated that Jesus is perfect. Jesus is light. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. But what about us? What about our purity? Peter writes to us and reminds us of our blessed hope that we're waiting for. In 2 Peter 3, 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... Be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. We're striving for purity in what we look at, and what we say, and what we hear, and even what we think about. You ever caught yourself like, how did, where, where did that come from in my mind? Like, how in the world did that come in there? Well, that's your natural self. We have got to take thoughts captive. You see something, turn it off. You hear something, shut it down. Fill yourself with the Word of God, with the joy of the Lord. Sing songs and spiritual hymns in your heart and to one another, the Scripture would tell us. But there was a result of this purified animal being sacrificed. It was a pleasing aroma to God. What it says in the rest of verse 9. But its entrails and its legs, he shall wash with water. That is the one who offers it, shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Jesus is a pleasing aroma to God for us. Jesus is a pleasing aroma to God for us us, Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's the offerer's part, and Jesus fulfills every part of it. But there is the priest part, smaller, but there is the priest part. The priest's part was to throw the blood on the altar, to arrange the pieces, and to burn the pieces. To throw the blood. Verse 5 says this, Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Why is this blood so important? And why does God choose the word, throw it? Isn't he supposed to sprinkle it? Not supposed to sprinkle it. He sprinkled it on Aaron. He sprinkled it on the people. They sprinkled it when they purified the temple. But when it comes to the sacrifices, they are to throw the blood. It's a very graphic picture, actually. You take them filling up these containers with blood and take them to the altar and throwing them on the side of the altar. It was, for lack of a better, it was a bloody mess. Splashing all over Aaron, splashing all over everything. Not only that, hitting that hot altar, the smell of the burning blood, the smell of the burning flesh. They were to throw it. Many commentators will tell you that there's great similarity between what Peter says in, in uh, 5.7, I think it is, where he says, cast, throw your anxieties to the Lord. Because isn't that exactly what this offerer was doing? I'm in trouble with God. I'm, I'm fearful. I've let God down. I'm under the wrath of God. I'm anxious. You. you should be anxious about being under the wrath of God. And it's alleviated by the throwing of the blood. It's cast away. It's done with. But the idea of blood, it's through Jesus' blood that we have peace with God, that we are saved from the wrath of God, Romans 5.9. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Hebrews 9.12 tells us, He entered, that is, Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Now, some will tell you that Jesus literally brought a bowl of His own blood up into heaven and gave it to God. Not true. Totally not true. Jesus' blood on the cross was more than enough. Because Jesus doesn't only fulfill the burnt, the sin, and the guilt offering. Jesus, more importantly, fulfills the Passover lamb offering on every level outside the city, just as Jesus was. They didn't arrange the pieces, the priest was to arrange the pieces. Look what it says, verses 7a. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. Now that's their job too. That was their job to continuously make sure this altar was, was burning. That was their job. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange, it's the word arrange, arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. Now, to me, that means that there was some specific way we're not privy to of what should be done. He wasn't just to take, you know, here's, a, you know, let me grab a handful of parts and throw it on the altar, because, you know, it's not like he has a trash barrel there burning everything. You guys down here don't know what trash barrels are, right? Burn barrels are. Uh, you do. You're from the country. Um, that's where you just take a barrel and you throw everything in it and you set it on fire and that's it. Don't do that down here. You're in a whole lot of trouble. Um, that wasn't what it was. They were to arrange, to be precise, to be careful with. They put the head, the fat, and the pieces, however they were supposed to do it. But it just makes me think about how God has arranged history for the purpose of redemption. God has arranged history. Do you really believe that God is in charge the world. God is the author of the ages. Remember our study in Hebrews? That's going way back. The author of the ages, that Jesus Christ created time, that the scroll in Revelation and the seals, who is worthy to open a scroll? Jesus. Scrolls, that's the history of the world. And only Jesus can open it. Jesus is in charge of history. And Jesus, at just the right time, came into the world. He was careful. He arranged history just as the priest was to arrange the pieces. God arranges history. Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And finally, the priest was to burn the offering. That was his job. Arrange it, burn it. Nothing is to be left, it says. Nothing is to be left. Verse 9, But its entrails, its legs, sh- and legs, he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Well, what does that speak of? We talk to full surrender. But Jesus fulfills this. In the fact that it's a final offer, finality. There's nothing left to give. There's nothing left. Jesus fulfills this completely. Hebrews 9, 24 to 28. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifices himself. And just as it has been appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Bottom line is, when you look at the sacrifice, Jesus fully satisfies all that is required by God on our behalf and all that we can say. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift of Christ on our behalf. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you loved us so much. That in the sacrificial system, you gave us a foretaste of what you are going to do in history. We thank you that there was a lamb born without spot or blemish. There was a lamb who was born, who lived and walked among us, who went through all the things that we went through yet without sin. And This lamb presented himself to the entrance of the tent. And his blood was spilled. A fragrant offering was given to God on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord God, that it didn't end there. That this Lamb of His own power rose from the grave, is seated now in heaven, as we sung this, just this evening. And Father, we eagerly look forward to the return of Your Son, Jesus Christ at the time of your command, may we be found without spot or blemish. May we be found to the praise of his glory. Amen. Let's stand, let's close on a song.
1: All right, if we could open up our hymnals to 591. Kind of reminds me of when a child goes to a parent Why? Because I said so. And we are serving a holy, righteous God who's set apart. And we have no right to question, but we're so thankful that he holds us with such grace and love and mercy. All right, so 591, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. All righty. Have Thine Own Way, Lord, have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Wider than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, wounded and weary, help me, I pray, power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, hold o'er my being, absolute sway, fill with thy spirit, till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. And then doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.